Hello and welcome to CMO Convo, the CMO Alliance podcast, and we're back with another in-depth conversation with a leading marketer. Today, I'm speaking to Maya Grossman, VP of Marketing for the diversity recruitment platform, Canvas. Today, we're talking about recruiting and building an effective marketing team with an eye to the advantages that diversity can bring to your marketing teams. Hi, Maya. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Will. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited for this. This is a, a, a topic that it's important to CMOs and to high-level marketers, but it's also something I'm very interested in myself. Um, I know you work a lot in um, terms of team building to do with diversity. It's something I'm very, very passionate about um, myself. So before we get into that, maybe you want to take our listeners through like your professional background and your current role. Yeah, of course. So I am currently the VP of Marketing at Canvas. And Canvas is the diversity recruiting platform, exactly what you started talking about. We help companies understand uh, the candidates in their pipeline so they can make better hiring decision if they want to build more diverse teams. And I've been a marketer for the past 15 years. This is my second time leading um, as a VP of marketing in a growing startup. And I also work for companies like Microsoft and Google and basically tried everything you can think of in marketing. Uh, I started in PR. I did digital marketing, a little bit of demand product marketing. And I think for me, the, the biggest passion when it comes to marketing is really understanding customers. So everything I do, my entire philosophy is about being customer centric and just really listening to your customers to build your strategy around what they actually need. And so, so those customers are, are other companies. You're listening to other, other companies and helping them with their diversity tactics. Is that, is that what you're saying in terms of listening to customers? It's, it's, a, it's a B2B kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, definitely for Canvas, this is what we're doing. But I think in general, when it comes to marketing, there, there's no better way to come up with the right strategy and even the tactics that are going to get you the results you want than listening to your customers. Uh, I have a long history of, you know, getting into different breakthroughs and really successful campaigns just by really understanding what my customers need. And I think sometimes we forget the basics that, hey, we actually need to talk to people. It's great to read research somewhere, but when you speak to real human beings, um, you get a very different perspective. So one of the things I'm sure a lot of the, well, a lot of your customers need is is good teams it's good team building it's good people on on staff what are the components of a great team for you that what, what are you telling other businesses that they need to have for a good team and, and then does it tie into how you build a team yourself as well yeah of course i think there are a couple of components when it comes to having a great team um i think first and foremost and that's going to be different for every company in different stages maybe even different industries you definitely want to have the right skills in-house so for example sometimes your strategy is going to be around content so you want great content writers but sometimes if you're in a specific industry where let's say seo is going to be a massive driver you want someone who's an expert so I definitely think you have to start with the right skills for the stage and the strategy that you have in place. But I don't think it's enough just to have skills. You wanna have a team that works really well together. And to do that, at least from my experience, you want them to have similar values. You want them to believe in the same things um, regarding the work that you're doing in your company. 
And for me, I found the best teams were the ones who really believed in the mission of the company. And they weren't just coming there to do their nine to five. They actually wanted to make an impact and be part of something bigger and in the process, learn and grow and develop their own professional skills. So I think it's, it's not an easy combination to find. You want someone who is excellent at what they do, but also someone who will be a great team member. And I've been with teams where competition was the driver for everyone. And maybe for some people that that works, it's actually not an environment that I enjoyed. And I prefer to develop an environment of collaboration where people want to help one another, where they see collaboration as a way to grow and achieve shared goals, as opposed to um, just competition where you have to be the best and it doesn't matter what you do, you do to get there. Uh, I suppose maybe depends on the type of leader that would uh, decide what type of team they want under them as well. Um, I know certainly some leaders would prefer to encourage that kind of competition. Other leaders would prefer to go with the collaboration aspect. Is, is it the leader that dictates the team or is it the, the company that dictates the team? Like, do you have control over that when you're heading up a marketing department or is it something that's got to reflect the wider business? Like, could you have a unique team culture within just a marketing department or does it have to be similar to other, other departments within a company? It's a great question. I definitely think... In general, culture is a reflection of what people do, not what they say. A lot of the time you have these great values and you know, companies share on their website what they believe in. And then when you go and work there, you realize, oh, they don't actually practice what they preach. So it, it starts with um, probably from the top, from your founders, from the executive team and what they actually do in the day-to-day. I do think it's easier to have great culture when you see it all around you, when that's the norm. It's definitely a little bit harder if you're surrounded with a bit of a different perspective and you wanna build a team that's more collaborative, that is, you know, that has the values that you wanna reflect as a, as a CMO. Uh, but I have seen that happen. It is possible. Um, it's just a little bit more difficult to get to a place where your entire team can actually believe that because they will just keep seeing all around them people acting very differently. Especially if the, the other department cultures are preferential, like the grass is greener kind of thing. Like that would be hard to retain staff if they're looking around and saying we're being treated differently than other teams. We're not getting the same kind of motivation that other teams are having. Um, I suppose building a good team that, that's got to be a good way to retain like the, the method that you take to build a team has got to be a good way to retain talent and to attract talent as well um yeah. so is there is there a method you can go about building a team that sort of becomes a self-sustaining way of, of attracting talent do you think yeah i mean it definitely starts with even the the hiring process you want to make sure that it reflects how people are gonna be treated moving forward. And that's with respect um, and with consideration for their needs and their wants. Because I think very often we forget that our team members, while yes, they are employees and they have a job to do, they're also people. And what most of us want is an opportunity to grow and learn and to be appreciated for the work that we do. And I think if you can facilitate that it'll be much easier for you to retain talent, but it can't be 
like an afterthought or it can't be, oh, once a year, I'll give them, you know, access to a class so that you will feel like they're learning. It needs to be uh, an ongoing process. You want to talk to them about their career development and their growth and their goals all the time and take actionable steps to actually demonstrate how you're helping them grow. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that and to promise that it's actually a lot harder to execute um, because you need to reinvent um, how you build that career ladder every single time. Because look, if you work for a huge company, Microsoft, Google's of the world, they have a very clear um, career ladder. People know what's expected of them and you have a much easier process. With companies a little bit smaller, like Canvas right now, a startup, 70 to 100 people, you basically have to figure out every other week or every other month, okay, how am I gonna challenge my team? How am I gonna give them something new to try out and do so that they feel like they're growing and they have an opportunity to move to the next level in, uh, in their career within this company. So they, they're not encouraged to go somewhere else. Well, I suppose one of, the, one of the benefits of having a smaller company allows you to sort of tailor that career ladder to, to your team members a bit more, it allows you to be more, you know, um, allows you to give a more bespoke path for them and interact with your team more directly. Whereas having that sort of like very, very set in stone company culture and, com- and ladder, it, it, it can be a blessing and a curse, I suppose. Um, but uh, you talked about a bit about the doing things from scratch. Like, I, I imagine that's got to be very difficult, but then it's got to be difficult as well, say if you're a CMO starting a new company that does already have an established like team culture and team building system, progression system. How do you go about making changes if you want to make changes to them? Like, it's got to be quite a daunting task if you're already new to a, new to the position. You're already like interacting with the board. You've already got all these targets in place in terms of marketing, but then you've got new ideas for how you're going to build your team. Like, how do you have any advice for CMOs or other high-level marketers who are going into that kind of situation? Yeah, um, it's never easy stepping into. Um, to a team that's that's already there because you really have to walk a fine line between, hey, I want to change everything because my perspective is, is different and respecting what they already have in place. Change is hard. You can really overwhelm people if you just come in, storm in and say, everything you've been doing is wrong. Here's how we need to do it. So I think it needs to be a learning process where you start by listening, really listening, not just saying you're listening and taking in a lot, a lot of feedback, asking a lot of questions, not making assumptions about how things work or used to work until you got there and really build, um, I would say almost like a map of everything that exists right now, people's expectations, how things have been done and start prioritizing what you wanna change and how you would wanna change it. And then I would say, communicate that. Don't surprise people. Um, It is much better to let people know what you expect of them or how you would want things to to run than just wait for them to figure it out. And then you're going to have to actually take action. So if you say that this is the type of culture I want or I want us to have more room for feedback, then actually do that. Set up a feedback meeting. Create a questionnaire make a commitment to send it out every three weeks or every three months, whatever you feel is right for for your team. 
but actually demonstrate how you're walking the walk so that they can follow in your footsteps. I think, I think walking the walk is definitely a key thing in that respect. Um, um, there's, a, there's a thing doing the rounds in the UK in the, in the news at the moment to do with um, a company called Brewdog. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're a craft ale um, um, brewery. Um, and they've kind of pride themselves in sort of like a progressive message and a progressive company culture for a long time. And there's recently been um, stuff come out in the press about how staff weren't listened to, how they weren't walking the walk and practicing what they preach in that respect. And it's, it's had a huge impact on public perspective of the company. So I think like, it's not just the marketing that's important in marketing teams, it's the teams itself and how the teams are, are treated can be a big reflection of the company. Um, and one of the things a lot of companies are doing in that respect at the moment is talking about the need for diversity and diversity values in companies. And that's something you're, you're very well positioned to speak about. Um, why, why, firstly, let's talk about why are companies so keen to push diversity as a, as a company value now um, from a company perspective? And then let's talk about like why, we sh why diversity should actually be a good thing. Like not, not just like this is company saying we have diversity. Why is diversity a good thing for marketing teams and just teams in general? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and look, the need for diversity is not new. We've known this for years and years and years. And for a very long time, the majority of companies, and I think the tech world in general, just kind of wanted to say that's not our problem. Meaning, oh, well, there's not enough candidates coming from different backgrounds where you know they were just focusing on the top 10 schools that they want to hire from instead of actually making an effort to find uh, more people with different perspectives. And I think you know the last year and a half, um, everything that we've been through with the pandemic, but also everything that we've seen in terms of racial justice and um, the growth of different movements, I think, it just became really clear. We can't keep talking. We need to start doing. There's a real need for change because right now our workforce doesn't really represent the changing face of America. Um, and it just, it doesn't make sense. There's great talent out there. Talent is evenly distributed. Opportunity is not. And I think where a lot of companies get it wrong, they think we're talking about affirmative action. Just give people who don't have the skills the opportunity and they'll figure it out. We're saying something different. We're saying this is not the case. There is great talent out there. Uh, you just need to make an effort to make sure that you give more people opportunities to actually apply uh, and get into your, uh, into your company. And that's actually what we're helping companies do at Canvas. Um, but I think just from my own experience, so I come from a very uh, homogenous country. I was born and raised in Israel. Most people in Israel are white. And I wasn't exposed to that, to different cultures, to different perspectives and to different backgrounds. It's also a very small country. 8 million people, which is basically, you know, one city in the US. And just, you know, throughout my career, I started working for global companies and I got exposed to more and more people. And it is so exciting and interesting to work with people who haven't had the exact same experience as you. 
that maybe they uh, experience a different culture and a different upbringing and different experiences in their life because you get to learn. And I, I love that. I, as a marketer, I, I think sometimes we have um, this delusion that we're almost like, you know, we know everything, we're gonna put together a strategy, we understand people. But the truth is there's no such thing. There's no right or wrong in marketing for different companies, for different industries, different things might work or may, might not work. A lot of what we do is experimentation. And the more ideas you have and the more you're exposed to um, uh, different people who can make you, can challenge you and can make you think differently, the more likely you are to succeed. And I think that's where diversity comes in. And it's not a checkbox that you need to fill. And I think different teams might look differently. I don't think you need to have a specific set of people. I just think you need to make sure that you have uh, different ideas, different perspectives, and you definitely want to have a team that represents the audience you're actually marketing to. And I think that's where a lot of companies get it wrong. And there are a lot of horror stories um, about products being built, you know, uh, for men and then women can't actually use them, uh, just as an example. So I definitely think diversity needs to be um, a core part of every company's hiring strategy. I mean, it just makes sense from just from like a creative perspective. Like um, for me, and, and you mentioned you, you've enjoyed collaborative environments as a marketer. For me, I, I love that. That's one of the reasons I got into marketing was to work collaboratively with people. And if you're collaborating with people who have had the same background as you, that have the same interests as you, you're just drawing from the same well creatively constantly. Whereas it's when you get a mix of different ingredients together is where you get the really, really, really great sparks. Like some of the best advertising campaigns um, of all time, in my opinion, were created by very, very diverse backgrounds of people, very, very diverse groups of people. And it just makes sense from a business perspective to have diverse teams in that respect. Like, is, is that sort of, sort of a way you, you approach it when you're talking to other companies? Is that is that like one of the ways to push this forward to say like this, you can make more money by being diverse? Like, is that a good way to go? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's research to back this up. So we know that diverse team perform better. Um, I've spent a lot of my career in the startup world. So I also know that um, startups who are led by women actually perform better, even though women only get a fraction of funding when it comes to, uh, when it comes to startup. So I think it's just a, a shift in perception. I think we need to get used to the fact that diversity is great for business. And it's, it's hard, you know, you can read it and you can see the numbers. You have to live it. You have to experience it to understand. And I think once you do that, um, you're not going to need any more explanations. You're just going to see how phenomenal it is when you bring a group of people, especially if you need to solve a specific problem, um, that have very different backgrounds. And there's actually a really interesting book. It's called Range. And it talks about how people with um, very diverse backgrounds or very unique professional experiences, meaning, you know, 
usually when we think about marketing, we think, okay, this is someone who's been doing marketing for 10 years. And if I want to hire a product marketer, I want them to have done product marketing for 10 years so they know exactly how to do it. But that book actually says, if you bring in people that did sales and marketing, and maybe they were a professional surfer, or they just had very unique experiences and perspectives, that's actually going to make them a much better partner for you because they're going to be able to connect dots that you can't even see. They're not, you know, looking at your problem from inside the box. They can see it from the outside. And I think eventually that also applies when it comes to diversity, whether it's uh, coming from historically underrepresented backgrounds from different countries, you know, like myself, I'm an immigrant. So I bring a different experience to the table. Someone uh, who's a veteran or, you know, has different um, disabilities. You want to have different experiences so that you can come up with the most creative ideas. And at the end of the day, it is also good for business. So I, I honestly can't understand companies who do not want to invest in diversity. I suppose there, there are barriers that prevent people from certain diverse backgrounds, particularly from poorer backgrounds, from getting into sort of like these high level marketing jobs. Like there's um, the cost of going to university, there's the cost of um, doing unpaid internships in big cities um, that just make it unfeasible for, for people from underprivileged backgrounds, whether it's because of race or because of class to get into those positions. Are there methods that CMOs and companies can take to sort of break down those barriers? Like how can, how can, how can CMOs support people to get them into the positions where they can start, I don't want to say exploiting their creativity, but enjoy, enjoying their creativity. That'd be a, that's a better term for it, definitely, in the context yeah, well, of what we're talking about. That goes back to creating opportunities. And I think a lot of how hiring was done historically relies on very specific signals that I actually don't believe are the right signals like what school did you go to or what are some of the previous companies you've worked for and I can tell you from my experience I've hired dozens of dozens of um, team members um, I had people interview from Ivy League universities and they were not good marketers and you know, I, I wouldn't hire them. Same goes, people who came from the biggest brands you can think of, but were not a good fit for what we were looking for. So I think step number one is to expand your search, to make sure that you're not just looking at, you know, signals that maybe are a little bit outdated, maybe they're not relevant anymore, and look for the right signals. Look for what people actually did. Look for results. Look for their passion and ambition look into mindset and find people who want to learn and grow. And I understand it may not work for um, every level of seniority, right? If I'm building my marketing team right now, I need a few experts to lead functional uh, divisions. That's okay. So I might start with someone more senior who already has this experience. But when you hire ICs, this is exactly where you want to hire people who have the passion and the desire to learn and to soak because they will walk on water for you. And um, I have a story that I like to share that earlier in my career, you know, I was looking to hire someone to do social media and it was an IC role, fairly junior, but we were hoping to find someone with a little bit of experience. And I had two final candidates and one of them actually had five years of experience, like 
they checked every single box and you know the interview was great um and then i had this um young person who said look i've never actually done social media anywhere else but because i knew i wanted this role at this company in the past six months i created a facebook page i created an instagram account here's everything that i was able to do I also found a coach. I've been working with them for three weeks because they actually did social media and you know they taught me a few different things. And when I asked both of them to give me an example for a campaign that they would do or just to think creatively, guess who had better answers and better ideas and ended up getting the job? That younger person, hands down, was so much more creative, was so much more open to ideas. And they were so hungry to, you know, to get the job done and get the opportunity um, that not only were they one of the best hires, they actually became one of my first managers because they were that good. And, and I suppose if you're getting them at that kind of stage in their progression, it allows you to sort of mold their progression towards what you, what you need, what they're going to do well within your, your team. Like if you've got someone who's got too many pre-existing ideas or too much pre-existing experience doing one particular thing you don't have they got they come with good things and bad things they come with good working practices and bad working practices and it's a lot harder to get rid of bad working practices than it is to <laughs> teach good working practices in my experience um yeah but it wasn't just that i mean when I, when you looked at that person's resume theoretically they shouldn't have gotten to the interview because you know if you were just to follow the regular signals, okay, so they don't have the exact experience that I want to, they haven't worked in tech, but I was looking for different signals. I was looking for, for how people describe themselves and what they're passionate about. I actually read um, you know, the email that came with the application and I try to understand why you know, they were so passionate about what we're doing. And it's hard because it takes time. It means you actually have to look at sometimes hundreds of resumes to find, you know, those really um, unique uh, people and find talent that other people may have passed on. But I actually think it's our um, it, it's our responsibility to do that and to find other signals to look at and maybe even ask different questions. Maybe a resume isn't the best way for me to really understand, um, you know, who would be a great fit for me. And that's part of the reason that uh, from the first time I became a manager, when I interview someone for a marketing role, uh, one of the first things I would ask them to do is to create some sort of project. And this is not to take advantage of them and their time. It's because I want to see how they actually think, because that would give me a much better answer than looking at their resume. Um, because it doesn't matter where they worked previously. I just want to see what will happen when we work together and we need to collaborate. And that's usually the easiest way to see it. Looking at, you, you talk about looking at things from a different perspective and looking for different signals. Um, how do you get sort of buy-in internally? from that? I'm, I'm sure it's not something that you have a problem with at, at Canvas since it is about diverse hiring practices. But yeah. how does, say, a CMO go to their, their CEO um, and say, listen, I want to start looking for people from a completely different candidate pool, whereas previously we've hired purely Ivy League, for example. Like, how do you get, how do you convince the CEO that that's the right way to go? Like, how do you, how do you when they've said no, oh, 
we're an Ivy League company. This is what we do. Like, how do you get that kind of buy-in? Yeah, um, <laughs> I would probably not ask for permission. <laughs> um, I would think about it the other way around. And one of the things we talk about at Canvas is that for a really long time, uh, companies preferred the data blind approach, meaning, you know, we're not going to look into people's um, names and backgrounds. I don't want to know if they come from a specific ethnicity. I, I just want to hire the best people. The problem was when you're not looking for something different, you're not going to get something different. So they ended up just hiring the same people over and over again, even if they hide their names or their schools to prevent bias. And what we're advocating for is a data brave approach, meaning you wanna know where people come from. You encourage them to identify uh, the way they feel comfortable identifying. And then you take a look at your team and at your company and you ask yourself, who's not in the room? Whose voice is actually missing? And you make a plan to hire for that gap Instead of just saying diversity in general and hoping that you might get someone into your team, you're gonna say, you know what? I do not have enough black women represented in this company. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And again, that doesn't mean you're gonna compromise on skills. You're still gonna hire the best person for the job. You're just gonna make um, an effort to attract people from different backgrounds that are gonna be a great um, complement to your existing team. And per your question, I would just do that. I would identify what's missing. I will, you know, think about um, who I want to hire, and then I will go out and get them. And through that interview process, I will get the buy-in from the CEO because they will they will have to meet those candidates, and they will see that they are amazing, even though maybe they're not, you know, checking every checkbox we've had before. Um, and I think that's. That's probably how I would approach it. it. It's interesting what you mentioned about the um, um, the, the, the data blind versus data brave thing. Um, I suppose it's kind of reflective of sort of just general cultural attitudes in, in the US and the in the UK. I suppose for a large part, of like the the latter half of the 20th century, the whole thing was like I don't see race or I don't see color was like the big the big watchword in polite society. Yeah. I'm, I'm finger quoting for people who are just listening. Polite society. But the recently, we've seen a bigger shift towards celebrating differences and celebrating the, the diversity that, that's in, in culture. Do you think that's? Do you think this shift to diversity is reflective of a, a, a millennials being in more position, hiring positions rather than it being boomers and Gen X kind of thing? Do you think it's that's the sea change, or is it just a general reflection of cultural change? Is it because there's more? I don't want to say younger people, but people with like a recognition of diversity as being a good thing. Do you think that that's what's caused this change? I think so. It definitely it definitely has an impact. And it's not just millennials, by the way. Gen Zers are going to be, I think, like 25% of the workforce by 2025, which just reminds me of how old I am. But, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's probably one of the most diverse uh, generations that we've had. So, it almost makes sense that they would expect to see people like them everywhere that they go. And when that's not the case, uh, they vote with their legs, they just leave or they won't join your company. And I think once companies realize there's an actual price to pay 
um, they became a little bit more inclined to invest in diversity and to make sure that their teams and their companies actually represent everyone in their country. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on the demographics of U.S. cities, but I know at least New York, it's majority non-Caucasian as a demographic. Like, so it should reflect, it, the workforce should reflect that, like, and particularly the, the management force should reflect that. And I'm sure it's the same in a lot of different cities in the, in the U.S. as well. Um, so we've talked a bit about, like, what CMOs and companies can do. What are good examples to follow? Like who who is walking the walk? Like who who's got really good diversity hiring pro programs that you know of? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say quite a few of our you know customers and partners, um, but I think it's a little bit harder to know what the actual hiring process looks like. But if you look at companies like Drift or Gong. Uh, they have been talking about diversity. They have been open about their um, the demographics of people um, in their companies, and they continuously encourage people to show up for who they are. And it, it didn't start this year. They've been doing it for years, as long as the companies existed. And I think that's a really good way to, to know what to expect when you join a company like that, because... It's one thing to do it internally behind closed doors, but when you're ready to share externally and you're not afraid to say, you know what, we're not perfect, but we're learning and we're making efforts. I think that's the type of company that I would want to join because I know that, again, they're actually walking the walk. They're not just, you know, putting out press releases and saying, um, you know, supporting different movements with, you know, uh, an investment or a donation, which is also great, don't get me wrong, they should be doing that. But making a donation is not the same as actually starting to hire uh, internally and making sure that you have diversity within your company. So I think the trailblazers, the companies who are putting um, just their diversity numbers out there and are willing to say we're not perfect, but we're working towards that, those are probably the companies I would want to work for. And those are the companies that will have better hiring process to find that untapped talent. And the, the effectiveness of their, their methods is evident in how well they've, they've grown in the last few years. Exactly. Like Gong, Gong recently <laughs> announced the values at 7.25 billion or something. They've been around for what, like six years. That's a, that's a huge amount of growth. And it's because they built, such an effective team based on these diverse hiring well what we, i assume these diverse hiring practices um so yeah um like i think that is a very good note to leave it on there maya um is there anything else that you want to talk about in terms of diversity and team building like any any other tips that you want to um hand out here for cmos who might be listening yeah i'm i'm happy to share something i learned earlier this year so i've been a manager probably for more than a decade now and you know I love working with people helping them develop their career and I was in a situation where work took precedence meaning I spent a lot of time on the things we need to do rather than on the people and it was a period of time just because we were you know under pressure we just did a rebrand and there was a lot of work but what I learned is 
that doesn't matter. You have to prioritize your people. And luckily I have such a great team that they basically told me, hey, Maya, we need a little bit more time with you. And, you know, it's great. We all are working hard to achieve our goals, but, um, you know, we need a little bit more team time. And I, we were able to turn that around really quickly because obviously I wanted to invest in people. It was just more of an oversight because work got to be too much. And I think we have a tendency to do that um, whenever we're under stress. So just a reminder that people should always come first. And at the end of the day, we would probably go further together. So as long as you have your team around you, there's nothing that you can't do. And our recent rebrand is evidence. Like four people made a full rebrand happen in less than three months. And that's phenomenal. That, that is very impressive. That is very impressive. And a very impressive note to end on there. Um, thank you very much, Maya, for your, for your time. Um, really appreciate it. It's great great conversation that we've had today um and i hope our hope our listeners have enjoyed it too uh, i'll be back soon with more cmo combos